1: hi there folks, Jennifer here with your short form news roundup to bring you up to date on the latest goings on in the realm of art history. This is Art Curious News This Week, and today is Friday, March 31st, 2023. Now let's get on to it because I've got several great stories for you today featuring some new discoveries, auction records, museum closures, and more. We are starting things off with a fascinating discovery related to the working methods of the old masters and to one of the greatest geniuses in the history of art, Leonardo da Vinci. According to a recent article in CNN, a team of researchers and scientists at the University of Antwerp in Belgium have found that the binder used in a painting attributed to Leonardo da Vinci, known as the Salvatore Mundi, contains egg. Yeah, you heard that right, egg. And this might sound bizarre to some, but the use of egg as a binder in painting is not a new discovery. And in fact, this was very commonly used by artists during the Renaissance and even earlier. What makes this discovery interesting is that the Salvatore Mundi, as many of you already know from reading my book, is a painting that has long been shrouded in controversy and mystery for years now. It is believed to have been painted by Leonardo da Vinci somewhere around the year 1500, and when it was purchased at auction in 2017 for a staggering $450 million, it became the most expensive painting ever sold. But long before that sale, and also, of course, ever since, its authenticity as a Leonardo has been questioned. The discovery of egg yolk in the painting's binder could actually end up authenticating the work and give us new insights into the painting techniques used by Renaissance artists. According to researchers, egg yolk was a common binder for pigments used by Leonardo da Vinci's contemporaries, such as Raphael and Michelangelo. It was used to make paint more malleable, for allowing greater control over things like brushstrokes and color mixing. And so some think that this points to the painting as having a true Renaissance-era provenance. Naturally, because this is art history we are talking about, not everyone is convinced by this discovery. We love to quibble. Art historians love quibbling. Other experts, then, have questioned whether the Salvatore Mundi might have been the work of one of Leonardo's followers or students, and that the presence of egg yolk in the binder does not necessarily prove the painting's authenticity, which makes sense. Nor does it actually narrow down that ongoing list of questions surrounding this painting. Regardless, you know I love the weirdness of Salvatore Mundi, and I never truly get tired of reading about all the pros and cons of a Leonardo attribution here. With every new discovery and every new tidbit of information about this painting, the mystery of Salvatore Mundi actually seems to deepen. So we may never know for sure whether it was truly painted by Leonardo da Vinci himself, but you know what? Here's my thought. Sometimes, or oftentimes, a mystery is just so much more fun than actually getting the straight answer itself. Two recently rediscovered paintings were in the news in the last few days. First up, according to an article that I read on NBCNews.com, an unknown painting believed to be a work by Jackson Pollock was found during a police raid in Bulgaria. This painting was discovered along with over 200 other works of art, which included paintings but also ceramics and sculptures, as part of a large collection that was believed to have been amassed by a Bulgarian group involved in drug trafficking and organized crime. The painting in question, which measures about 28 by 22 inches, is a colorful abstract composition that is characteristic of Pollock's Action Jackson style. But just because it looks like a Pollock, of course, doesn't necessarily mean that it is an actual Pollock. As with the Salvatore Mundi debacle, this discovery raises several questions about the authenticity of Pollock's works and the possibility of other undiscovered masterpieces by this artist. While Pollock was a prolific artist during his lifetime, and he created hundreds of paintings and drawings and prints, most of his works have been lost or destroyed over the years. And in fact, only about 180 paintings by Pollock are known to exist today. So that makes any new discovery a significant event in the world of art. However, I think, as always, it's important to take this discovery with a little bit of caution. There have been many cases of forgeries and fakes and pollocks over the last few years, and experts will need to conduct thorough analyses to determine the painting's authenticity. And then let's not forget the circumstances surrounding the discovery of this painting, because it's been attached and associated with a Bulgarian crime ring. So the circumstances here are iffy at best. So while the authenticity of the work has not yet been confirmed, we will just have to hold our collective breath and keep our fingers crossed that it is indeed the real deal. And as always, I will try to keep you posted on any new developments in this story as it updates. And now for the other great rediscovery. A long-lost painting by the Flemish artist Peter Bruegel the Younger has come to light. According to a new article from CNN... The painting was discovered in a French attic, and it will be sold at auction this coming June. The piece, which is titled The Wine Brawl, is a very Bruegel depiction of a tavern scene and features many of these little humorous and boisterous details that you often find in Bruegel's works. He is one of the most important and most highly valued artists from the Northern Renaissance, and you can find his works in major museum collections the world over. But Like with the Pollock, this discovery raises several important questions about the circulation of artworks and the role of private collectors and dealers in the art market. The fact that this painting was hidden away in an attic for so long also underscores the importance of very careful and responsible stewardship of works of art, as well as the careful tracking of provenance or the history of an ownership of a work of art. So I, for one, am definitely excited to see how this piece performs at auction in the coming months. And though I am resigned to the fact that it will most likely end up back in a private collection, I am still hopeful that it will find its way into a public institution. For a long-term loan, perhaps, or heck, even as a purchase by a museum or a gift to a museum. Because having the ability for all to enjoy a previously unknown work by this master would be a treat for sure. Okay all, you know the drill. This is a great time for a little break, so we will be back with more Art Curious news this week in just a minute. Remember, if you like the show but not the ads, join us at patreon.com/artcurious for an ad-free feed and to keep the show going. We need your help. patreon.com/artcurious. Ongoing thanks to my VIP patrons, Flamestress, Gaston, Stephanie, John, JL, Rhonda, Lance, Robin, and Andrew. Thank you for your support, your kindness, and your feedback. Do you want your name read here each and every week? You can become a VIP sponsor and know that you're helping us hugely. We will be right back. Thanks for listening.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe
1: For our next round of stories, we are starting things off with the announcement of another iconic work of art that's about to hit the auction block. A rare print of The Great Wave off Kanagawa by Japanese artist Katsushika Hokusai is set to be auctioned at Christie's in London. This print, which is part of Hokusai's famous 36 Views of Mount Fuji series, is expected to fetch over £250,000, or about $340,000, at auction. The Great Wave of Kanagawa is one of the most famous and recognizable images in the entire history of art. And it has become an enduring symbol of Japanese culture. And you know the one. I know you do. But in case you need a little refresher, this print depicts this massive wave towering over three fishing boats with Mount Fuji there standing solitary in the background. The image was created using a traditional woodblock printing technique and is known for its little intricate details and its gorgeous blue and white color scheme. This print that's up for auction is believed to be from the very first edition of the series, which was produced in the early 1830s. And now that is news in and of itself, because it is just hard to find prints from this edition and also to be in such good condition, because, as you would understand with a work on paper, many of them are just lost or damaged over time. This particular print also has a unique feature that sets it apart from later editions of the work, and that's that it has this faint pink hue on the crest of the wave, which is thought to be the result of the original printing process. So that makes this particular print even more special, which is something that I think is reflected in its rather hefty price tag. Next up, it is time to talk about another museum closure due to protests. Last week, I reported on the shuttering of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston in response to a climate protest. This week, the Louvre was forced to close for a day due to strikes and protests by French workers who were arguing against proposed changes to the country's pension system. The closure of the Louvre highlights the ways in which politics and social issues often and can frequently impact the art world. As you might know, museums and galleries rely on a stable and secure environment to operate and to display their collections, and any disruptions can have consequence. However, this closure also raises important questions about things like the ongoing working conditions of museum employees and the role of museums even in society. Museum workers, Colin from experience in general, are often overlooked or undervalued as part of society despite the crucial work that museum people do in preserving and sharing our cultural heritage. Strikes and protests can absolutely be a powerful tool for museum workers to join in the fray and demand better pay and working conditions. And it is important for museums to listen to their voices and work towards fair and equitable labor practices and pay. At the same time, the Louvre's closure is an additional reminder of the vital role that museums do play in our societies because they are more than just tourist attractions and or repositories for valuable objects. These are spaces for education, exploration, and contemplation that bring people together from all over the world and to foster dialogues for understanding across various cultures and time periods. So it is crucial that we continue to support museums and museum employees and to recognize and not deny the importance of art and culture in our lives. Last up today, you know that I always love a good Nazi-looted art restitution story, especially one that has a happy ending. And this week, we've got one. The New York Times reported that a painting by Gustav Courbet that was seized by the Nazis during World War II has been returned to the heirs of its original owner. The painting, titled The Stormy Sea, was taken from a Jewish collector in 1941, and it ended up in a German museum after the war. Its road to restitution has been a long and complicated process, like most restitution cases are. The German museum that held the painting for the last almost 100 years, the Museum of Fine Arts in Leipzig, had initially resisted the restitution claim because they argued that the painting was legally acquired after the war. Now, if this sounds familiar to you, it it should, because this kind of resistance happens all the time And this same exact argument mentioned here was the same one that I mentioned not that long ago on this podcast in connection to the Guggenheim's ownership of a contested Picasso. The good news here is that after years of legal battles and public pressure, the Museum of Fine Arts in Leipzig ultimately has agreed and has returned the painting to its rightful owners, the heirs of the original Jewish collector. This is a win, not only for the long, long process of World War II restitution, but also for museums as a whole. Though I'm sure it doesn't feel like it right now to the Museum of Fine Arts in Leipzig. But it is a win because it's the right decision and it's a choice that underscores the importance of ethical and responsible museum practices. So good job, Leipzig. I'm proud of you. That is it for Art Curious news this week. Thank you so much for listening. And guess what? Monday, Monday is the day. Monday, April 3rd is the start of season 13. Lucky number 13 for Art Curious. And it's going to be a fun and supersized one. So as always, I would like to thank you for your support and for listening today. And until next time, stay curious.